0: Spoiler for anybody who uh, is planning on seeing Saturday Night Fever soon and hasn't. 45-year-old
1: movie, if you haven't gotten to it yet, you know, make some time.
0: (laughs) Mad Men, a term coined in the late 1950s to describe the advertising executives of Madison Avenue. They coined it
1: should order lunch.
0: (laughs) Welcome to They Coined It. I'm Roberta Lip.
1: Now I'm a little bit rock and roll.
0: What? I'm Dan Jasper. I'm a little bit country. We are old and we cover Mad Men episode by episode. I don't know why that happened, but there it is. You're welcome. (laughs) Little Donnie and
1: Marie for you.
0: Purple socks. So what am I
1: going to say about The costuming in the first scene of this episode, Roberta. Sitting in Pete's apartment talking with Heinz.
0: I don't know. Does somebody have a great coat? (laughs) Usually when you have something to say, it's about somebody's great coat. No, we
1: immediately know that. Well, we already know this from the 90 seconds we got with him last episode. But this Tim Jablonski from Hines, he's got a fucking ascot on. No, I didn't. We, that's just <laughs> Mad Men shorthand for douchebag. For douchebag, it never fails in Mad Men world that uh, no, you're right. Equals you're not wrong. A turd. Anyway, I was surprised. Welcome to, welcome to, to see, they
0: coined it. Yeah, <laughs> I was. I was surprised. Uh, you know, the last time we saw Pete's apartment, it needed a woman's touch, according to his neighbor. Right. So mm. I was surprised that anybody thought. <laughs> it was good enough, acceptable, you know. And I didn't do. all well, they needed
1: us. They needed. They needed a, a clandestine surreptitious, place. Surreptitious, yeah.
0: But I just, you know, I was surprised that it. it I mean, I. And I wonder if he. I didn't look around. I didn't do like a like a before and after check to see if maybe it did get a woman's touch. Maybe he hired, a, you know, at least a cleaning person, if not a little bit of a, of a decorator. I'm gonna have yeah, to check out. Yeah,
1: I guess there's the, um, you know, who am I, bringing here for an affair type of. Readiness, and then there's business readiness. So this was business readiness. Right.
0: My point is, I don't think it was ever intended for business readiness.
1: No, this was was just, yeah, convenient.
0: They may have had to revamp it. Anyway, (laughs) this episode. To have
1: and to hold. Written by Aaron Levy. Directed by Matthew, Mike. excuse me, Michael Updahl. Original air date, April 21st, 2013. Takes place earlier mid-March... 1968. This is the episode where, as we said, meetings with the catch-up team at Heinz continue under secrecy. Ultimately, they find out it's a full review and CGC is pitching and they all lose to J. Walter Thompson. Joan's friend Kate visits and they have a night out before Kate's job interview. Harry demands to be made partner. Wah, wah again. Megan has a love scene in her soap and Don visits the set to shit on her. Yeah, I think that's accurate. I think it said that in TV Guide.
0: <laughs> what did you say about this episode before we turned on the mics?
1: <laughs> it's like nailing Jello to a wall. Yeah. There's no, there's no, and, and I actually liked a lot of the scenes in it, and I liked a lot of the action, so to speak. And there
0: were a lot of themes. There were themes uh, yeah, oh, of jealousy yeah. and of 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 infidelity and and the nature you know and all there's a lot to unpack it was just i just feel like now the clothes are all over the room
1: <laughs> yeah it, it feels like you know when you get these Mad Men episodes as we often do that are so finely tuned and polished this one feels like they they had to start production and get it going before they could do that last polish that's what this feels like it just didn't have that that thing that ties it all together nicely and makes you go, holy shit, or, or the, the way that the theme over here connects elegantly to the theme over there, and you go, oh, my God, that's really wonderful how they... This doesn't have that level of craft. That's, what I, that's how I look at it.
0: You know, something I've never done is kind of looked through the Mad Men episodes and, like, categorized them by writer or director, but particularly by writer... And part of the reason I've never done that is because uh, you have a
1: life and you have other things to do with yourself. No,
0: no, <laughs> that's definitely not it. No, um, is because of the the nature of this writing of this writer's room, as has been expressed, you know, and explained. Is it's it there is a sameness. Or there's the uh, the goal is that there's a sameness to the voice, right? That it's all mm-hmm. Matthew Weiner. And I don't remember if I if I I don't think I've ever discussed this on here or if I even discussed it with you, but I had listened to a um a 30 something podcast. I cannot tell you how much I hated this podcast, mm-hmm. but I but my obsession with 30 something made me listen anyway. Um, and one of the things they talked about were the uh were the different, this This was definitely a this person episode and this was definitely a this person episode. They didn't oh, have yeah. a writer's room. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. But yeah,
0: what yeah. they did have were a bunch of couples. There were like three married couples that were writers and directors and sort of part of the base team. I bring this up to say, uh, I believe we've lost the Jacques Matans at this point.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And yeah. I think that might be a loss that we should acknowledge. Like, I think. I,
1: I think, yeah, I think you could you could take that from some of this. I mean, it's been a while, right? It doesn't they have, their names haven't been on stuff at least since fourth season. I wouldn't. I I'm really bad.
0: at like I, I said, know, but I, I, don't think we, well, I
1: don't think we read their names last season at all. I could be wrong, but it's been a while.
0: It's been a while for sure. They're gone by now for sure. And I feel like yeah. this is an episode where you can feel that because, again, they are a they might have written it. If, had they been around, or B, they're part of the writer's room.
1: They would have put the little the little fairy dust, Mad Men fairy dust. Yeah, in. something, something's not there. The name of that 30-something podcast, was it the Elliot and Michael podcast? Is that what it was called? No. <laughs> right. No. I had a 30-something podcast. I, that might be the, what I would call it.
0: I could do uh, an eminently chewable, just a, a rant about why I didn't like this podcast and why I hated <laughs> the guy who hosted it, and it's a whole fucking thing. Awesome. Anyway, <laughs> and I'm sure that's what our listeners are looking for right now
1: yeah. <laughs> from so, me. So as we said, we start off with some of the Heinz business, and it's clear that they are, <laughs> you know, if if Don's cheating on every wife he's ever had, in this case, Megan, with uh, his neighbor downstairs, uh, he's cheating on Ray mm-hmm. and the beans, vinegars, and sauces people. <laughs> With uh, Tim uh, and the ketchup downstairs, because he's clearly in another in another apartment making out with another girl. Yeah. Um, the the aforementioned ascot wearing Tim's, Tim Chim Jablonski.
0: One of the themes throughout this episode is, and it's never not part of Mad Men, but is the hypocrisy. Like everybody. Is it's on display everywhere, yeah, you know? Right. And right. and Don has an attitude. Doesn't Don end up being pissed that they cheated? Like indignant? Like how dare we or something? <laughs> but
1: Don, um, am I wrong? I didn't get that from Don. No, um, I think Don. I think Don's consistent in so much as he compartmentalizes his marital infidelity, and compartmentalizes this. Like why wouldn't I go after Heinz ketchup? Like what the fuck?
0: But also how dare Peggy? In, uh, yeah. in Don's mind, right? So it's all of it. It's all the cheating, all the infidelity, all the yeah, sense of what's yeah, a betrayal yeah, and what yeah. isn't and what's yeah. loyalty and what's acceptable. And from With whom. Peggy,
1: it's more, it's more in relation to Stan, right? Like there's that betrayal that Stan feels. Remember, Stan wasn't him the him one me. listening at the door. No, no, no. But, but Don has lots of reasons to listen at the door. A, it's a competitor. B, it's his protege. So that's clearly why he's doing that. With Stan, he feels betrayed by Peggy, gives her the finger at the end, right? Like that's his... Fu for betrayal so totally. uh I, you're, you're right that it's everywhere I, and, and everything is like swirling in this episode and sex is swirling again with the with the the swinging shit and you know when we get to megan's role right the, the, the that co-star walks in to tell her she's got the the love scene and she's making out with the co-star but she's married to the <laughs> to the director everything's fucked up but anyway so we're we're still here with uh with Heinz, and yeah, it's clear that they're that they're making a making a run for this thing, and and what Tim's doing is making he's making SCDP feel like they're the only girl for him. That, that's the only one I'm cheating with. Guys, is you, uh, which of course we know well. We have a hint at it because Ted Chaw tells Peggy to go after it in the last episode so we know something's afoot there potentially it's at least been alluded to yeah um but that's that's cgc moving in we don't know that they're taking a full review approach to this thing
0: they definitely thought they were the only ones
1: we you know our team (laughs) yeah they walked out into that little parlor after their pitch oh fuck you know yeah and then and not only is it a bake-off it's uh it's a full bake-off, and they're in. A, they're up against, you know, the big, the biggest guns on on Madison Avenue. Nice place. Well, it's uh, available to you. You know, if you ever have to spend the night in the city, I live here, Pete.
0: All through the office, everybody is like, "What is going on?" And they've got the secret room and the Project K because nobody yeah. can know. And Ginsburg's Project Kill fist, Machine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, everybody's. <laughs> It's got everybody at at a level of unrest. Although, I guess in the first scene at the diner with Dawn and her friend Nikki, she describes the office, and it's she might as well have been describing Sterling Cooper in nineteen sixty. Oh, sure, right? The, the bottles really and the crying. crying in the ladies' room. And it was, I mean, it was really it it was designed to make you think of that because specifically, right? The crying. Not in the ladies that room. much has
1: changed. And yeah. not
0: that much has changed. So you get two different looks at the ugliness of this office. One that's this new element, but it brings out everybody's suspicions and jealousies that are always there all the time anyway. And and then this other view of the office. Yeah.
1: Well, since you bring up Dawn and her friend, I think her name was Nikki. Uh, we get two scenes with them at the lunch counter, you know, chatting and the Nikki's getting married and maid of honor, blah, blah, blah. You know, I didn't think much of it in terms of. It really felt like they were trying to shoehorn in a plot line that just didn't really add anything to the to the show or the story. In this case, that that was my first thought. And my second thought, it was interesting to get the pers. You know, it's inter- it's always interesting to get an outsider's perspective of what's going on. A lot of times, that's Peggy, right? As a woman, as a young young lady, we get her perspective and see it through her eyes. Just how crazy you know it can be and and the emotional abuse and everything else here it's not just a young lady in dawn but it's also a black woman so it's kind of like her friend saying to her look those are not your friends and you should not be trusting these people and you got to be double careful and it's like you know what that's relevant too um absolutely uh, all all by itself again i i didn't get much more than that from it it was a lot of screen time for not a lot of payoff but but it is worth mentioning and and was good to see
0: yeah well i think to to your second point, I mean, Dawn's been there quite a while, and she's an outsider, and she's always going to be one, you know, because of because of being a uh, a black woman in the late '60s, and maybe always. I mean, maybe always. <laughs> you know, maybe mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not going to speak for the black women at work who, you know, when they're the only one, sometimes may always feel like they're the only one, right? So, not going to speak for that, even though I just kind of sort of did. So sorry. But going back to your first point. This is now season six, and we have not followed one single black character out of any of their places of work. Yeah. I think you're right. I think it was a bit shoehorned. It was Weiner trying to check a box, and and it had that clumsiness. Now, on the other hand, she ends up being more important at the end of the episode or at the end of that storyline than we'd expected with the scene with her and Joan. And we'll, we'll, we'll walk through some of that.
1: We, and, and this is where the first part of this episode, the first half of this episode is so tough. We're meeting Nikki. We're meeting Kate. We're like, it's just, and and none of it seems to connect or have much to this. That's part of that, you know, lack of gravity of this episode.
0: Yeah. A little, a little uh, Jenga, a little jagged. Shit's sticking out and not fitting.
1: We meet this Kate. She's Mary Kay. She's um, got an interview with Avon. You know, and we see that she and Joan are old friends,
0: right? And I, hear, I want to say how much I love that. I, you know, that I was recently at a wedding, and it mm-hmm. was the daughter of my oldest friend, and uh, this friendship, as as we are now, is it's not my tightest friendship. Her families are all or whatever, but we've stayed connected for all these years, and and I'm friends with her daughters, her two daughters, and at this wedding, at at all the events. I mean, I was sitting with the mother of the bride, like our, that relationship, it was so, um, there's so much sense memory there, mm. you know, my mother was like, make absolutely sure you send her my love. I was sitting with her mother and her aunt and her uncle, like right. that, um, familiarity that goes all the way back. I loved seeing that, especially cause I had, I literally was just at this wedding. I loved seeing that on screen without any explanation. Mm. Uh, you see, you don't see it often. You know where you see it in um, terms of endearment. She's got the <laughs> old friend who knows her mother since the beginning of time. To okay. say, you know, it's that there is something about your oldest best girlfriend. Frankly, you're, you know, maybe yeah. it's a girl thing, but like, and how into your family's, it, I don't know. No, you're always those
1: bonds. Those bonds last forever. I mean, they really do. And in this case. Kate's in town and she kind of wants a night out with Joan, right? That's, that's their thing. And what was this restaurant with the phones? Is that a real thing Is that did we ever find out that that's a, that sounds like it could have been a real thing, right? They wouldn't have made that up on Mad Men. So
0: I don't know the answer. And probably I'm just guessing. Probably there's a scene in the original stage show of cabaret uh, and a, and a, I, it might have been in the revivals too, but there was a song that was cut so that it, with all of them on the phones at the b- tables. So this, at okay. least, that goes back. So I'm wondering if it was already a retro thing to have the phones at the tables because it it was existing in Berlin in the 30s. So who it's fucking knows?
1: Cute, cute little thing that very likely was in New York. Um, so yeah, so they go to this. You know, basically, it's it's a it's a vehicle for. Kate to be flirty with this guy, Leo, and they end up going out with him after his shift, right? To the electric circuit. where they really get it on. Which was also quite real. Yeah, yeah, that was definitely real.
0: It was funny. I kept wondering why Joan never left. Uh, I mean, (laughs) the making out in the car thing in Mm -hmm. the cab, and it was because she had to get her home because they were sharing a bed because she was crashing at her that's where she was staying
1: Kate uh said she had a room at the Waldorf oh All right. so uh I think it was just you know you go home with your girlfriends and you don't leave them and that kind of thing but yeah joan was being a good friend and then I think she I guess I guess through the course of the evening and the scene at the at the uh, electric circus um you know made out with that guy that was into her and that Okay, so Joan's not married anymore, and she goes out for a night. Well, and I, Kate
0: is. Let's just throw that in there. Kate's married.
1: Right, 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 right. So yeah.
0: this, so that might have been part of why Joan didn't leave her, where oh, yeah. where another That's friend she might have left. Yeah, but uh, so there are a couple things. One is everybody seems to want something they don't have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Kate also talks to her about her job, and and. And this is later, but you know, after everything yeah. else she goes through in the episode and everything else she's been through altogether, where Joan is just like, yeah, it's not it's not all it's cracked up to be. And she's like, Well, yes, it is. So there's a lot about what it looks like and what people yep. are coveting. But Joan is I would say mourning her marriage, grieving her marriage. I think that's kind of all yeah, over there's,
1: yeah, all it's over in this there.
0: stuff and grieving her marriage and and she is hesitant on this one to ever let it out of her. You know, in, even all the way up into her head <laughs> as a thought. But she's she's grieving her youth also.
1: That's right. Well, and that's what this whole evening is. I mean, you, uh, Kate wakes up and says, I guess I'm not that girl anymore or something to that effect.
0: The other thing is we've been creeping into this. Here we are. It's 1968. We've seen a couple of other scenes in other episodes. I think I said New Year's Eve felt like this was the precursor to a key party, right? Mm-hmm. I think there was even something last episode and it's not coming to me right now. And then, of course, later in this episode, we get to the, the couple inviting Don and Megan. But even that thing in the car where he makes out with one, he kisses one and then he kisses the other. Yeah. Not that that is necessarily new or cutting edge, but it did have that little threesomey vibe that they weren't yeah, really going to no, do. And, right. you know, I just thought that was part of kind of the lead up to where we're going.
1: And, you know, I'm just thinking this as you're talking and I still, to me, this is a lot of time with these two to get a very small payoff. If we're looking at themes and stuff, you know, it's this Leo guy where it's very blatant in this case that, look, I'm not just with you, which is the Heinz thing, which is the Don and Megan thing, mm. which is the swinger thing. You know, I'm not, I'm not, there's no fidelity here to anyone or anything. So if we're to. If we're to tighten up this jello even just a smidge, you know we could say that this cohesiveness of fidelity and what it means to sort of say to the world, "I'm this is what I am," that's falling, that's breaking apart, that's kind of splintering. So, you know, again, it's a lot it's it, it's a lot of activity without a lot of payoff. But I'll I'll throw that in the mix for for themes and stuff.
0: You know, Mad Men will never stop. Throwing a new character in for no reason.
1: You know? <laughs> right. I mean, that's
0: just, they're, they're. Yeah. you yeah. know, the only spoiler I'll drop here is there. there's, you know, there's a new character in season seven that all the the fans of Mad Men were pissed about. And it's like, well, we've done this all along. There's always someone new. There's, you know, and they, they're either a one shot episode or they're, yeah they stay for a while and we, you know, you just never know because it's like life.
1: Very true. I'm sorry to bother you, Scarlet, but is Mr. Crane in? Okay. No, he's in a meeting. Is there something I can help you with? Well, if he's expecting any special guests, you should let us know because he had someone come yesterday and you weren't here. I must have been in the ladies' room. No. And it's strange because you didn't leave until 647. <laughs> so there's this whole, and I think this is part of why it was such a difficult episode to tack down, was, you know, we've got this... Scarlet and Dawn thing where Scarlet's going out and she wants Dawn to punch her out and cover for her and, you know, pretty, pretty low stakes delinquency, I think you could call it. And of course it gets unraveled and Joan finds out and Scarlet just gets fired right off the bat, which you look at and you go, there's there's really no reason to fire that person for that offense. That is, that is, it's definitely against the rules, but I, you know, unless she's been doing this for a year straight. It's pretty, pretty stringent, uh, punishment.
0: Well, again, it's very hypocritical. Yeah. Um, it is an older school Joan than we think is appropriate to this office.
1: Yeah. You know, yeah. it's, it's the She's like dealing with, uh, Jane again. Yeah.
0: Y- or, or yeah. I mean, shouting it, you're fired in front of everybody. I mean, it's really, it was hard to excuse it. She's, Got a tighter grip on the secretaries than anything else, because it's all she's got, and she's not really reassessed that, which is part of what makes the ending with Dawn interesting meaningful. from jo- yeah. Yeah, meaningful from Joan's perspective, right?
1: Right. I'm I'm handing, I'm literally actually, handing. Actually, yeah,
0: yeah, actually letting go of something here. It's just so fucking hypocritical. I mean, Joan, who would go and sleep with Roger. In right. the middle of the day. The whole and thing. The it's whole thing. Just, it's, right. it's, and they always were arranging parties. That's part of their jobs. It was so we
1: throw that into good. the hypocrisy bucket for sure.
0: And to have the black girl be the one mm-hmm. who punches you out, Dawn is on much thinner ice. We know that. Well, that's
1: what her, that's what Nikki says. Like, of course she's going to ask you. You can't say no. She's
0: also, it's much, she's much more vulnerable to getting fired. Dawn, you, you really thought Dawn was going to get fired.
1: All of it. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and I think we were, at least I was, I was pleased that it didn't go in that direction because that would have just been unnecessary. From a plot standpoint, what that leads to is as she's leaving, uh, Harry crosses her and says, and he had just sold the, uh, we'll get to it, but he had just sold to Dow this whole Broadway Joe thing. He says, come on, we, we, we got work to do. Come on in. And she explains I'm fired. That's when he goes into Joan's office. <laughs> and then, uh, Harry sees her now in the meet in the in the partners meeting, and he thinks that she's downloading this whole thing to the partners because right. Scarlet getting fired is something that the partners need to know.
0: <laughs> that was so
1: funny. he barges in immediately, and you know about is about to say, "I want to say my side," and Joan's about to cut him off, and Roger <laughs> with no, the timing of <laughs> the the, t- the timing of every great comedian ever. <laughs> no, 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 let him talk. <laughs> <It's awesome. laughs> and Harry just does everything but a strip tease in that office to, to embarrass himself and make a whole thing out of what's effectively nothing to the partners. But it also undercuts Joan because Bert basically says, you don't need to fire her, right? The kicker to all this is Harry's burning resentment at not being a partner himself.
0: There's also that Harry and Scarlett have been sleeping together. Uh-huh. We're attached, I'm attached. And she says, no, we're not.
1: Right, right. Now, what? Now, I guess I knew they were sleeping together, but I, I, it's not obvious, right? It's
0: it's not obvious, no. But she's definitely, I think there was something in last episode about (laughs) she spoke, she spoke too highly of him.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was, it was a little unobvious or a little overly obvious, rather.
0: And it's one thing that makes Scarlett a great secretary. She's been discreet.
1: Uh-huh. You know, she's sure. she's
0: I mean, I, I hate it, but that's part of their still part of their job is if you're going to sleep with your boss, please be discreet about it. But she's been a she's been an excellent secretary.
1: She has. And so there's two things going on. There's there's the Harry thing, which gets resolved with them basically giving him a commission on on this show, which we will get to it. We're
0: going to do this in less in less order than usual and that's Oh my goodness. It,
1: yeah, circle back, circle back. <laughs> It's a great scene in Bert's office. We've never seen Bert's office, by the way, in the new place. Now we get to the first time we're seeing it. But they give him a commission that's meant to be kind of a okay, ha- sh- shut your mouth kind of thing. And he asks for the partnership, and he, they basically just say no, no chance. Great, great little scene. I love how that wrapped up. I, I mean,
0: listen, Harry's an asshole, but Harry isn't wrong to want, and I think Harry deserves a partnership especially after Lane. I think Harry Harry has always been underappreciated in what he brings to the agencies. Yeah. And yeah, and yeah. you know, again, he's he's an asshole, but so that doesn't seem to be a uh he's just a kind of asshole that nobody likes.
1: Yeah. Now here he, right, I I don't disagree with that, but I I would I would refine it this way. I think he deserves it on paper, but the fact that he's an asshole isn't uh isn't to be diminished because it is just as the word says a partnership so you get to choose your partners and so if you don't want an asshole as your partner then that's that that doesn't mean that assholes don't make partners because you know they they're twisting an arm or they're playing politics or they threaten to leave or whatever it is it happens every day but it is you know you do have to play the game a little bit to make partner because you are there to Join a club. And the club does not, you don't qualify for the club and get in. Uh, it might seem that way, but ultimately you are, you are jockeying to get in that club. First of all,
0: obviously his assholishness was, was mightily on display in this episode down to calling Joan an undeserving prostitute, right? And that was, that was- Not a great
1: way to ask to be joining the club. Yeah.
0: yeah. And that's got to be Joan's just greatest. I mean, everything gets around. They're still talking about Joan and Roger, for fuck's sake, which started, Mm -hmm. you know, over a decade ago, decade and a half ago or 40 years, depending on your flashback memory, whatever. (laughs) But anyway, um, the point is, that's a vulnerability she has always been aware of. And now here it is in in her face and in front of everybody. And that was that was very well played around the room, I thought.
1: Right. They're not going to sit and listen to that.
0: But going back to Harry, you know, he's out there representing your brand. I -hmm. say, if you don't think he's somebody you would want to partner with, then fuck you for keeping him on. He's out there representing you to the world.
1: So is every account exec in that place. Yeah. So everyone represents your brand. Now, you want people to be happy to represent your brand and proud of your brand, of course. I'm just saying, partner is a, is a, <laughs> it's a pretty exalted level to the point where a you're you're profiting from the profits of the firm, and b, it's not a qualifier. It's not something you just on paper qualify for and automatically get. It's not joining Amazon Prime. <laughs> I, know, I feel like back
0: then it, it was even more like making partner is kind of a step. And I and if and if I'm wrong, that's fine. If I'm right though, Harry, he really does deserve it.
1: He has every right to make the claim, and his his accomplishments are genuine. So it's not a matter of him being undeserving; it's just a matter of 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 him going about it in a way that's going to be successful and not not, you know, dropping his pants in the in the partners meeting. Is just no way to no, do. No, no, no.
0: This was not his best pitch.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, no. For Let's sure. can
0: we talk about his pitch though?
1: Talk about the yeah the the Broadway, Broadway Joe, Joe Broadway. Broadway Joe on Broadway. So, so like everything else in the, in the creative in the show, you know, we're, we're meant to be given a, an impression. We're, we're meant to make up for our, ourselves, uh, an idea of, oh, that's a great idea. You know, that would really work or, or, or not in some cases. Like, like Ginsburg's Jaguar pitch, right? Like we know that's a winner. In this case, uh, Dow is, you know, it's a PR issue. It's, it's a brand issue. It's a, it's all kinds of issues. How in the middle of the Vietnam War, <laughs> they want to be, uh, you know, a family American brand, American family brand, uh, trusted for their consumer products while they're producing ma- napalm.
0: It's like when Monsanto tried to present themselves as green.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> Truly. But yet, that's that's American business. So they're in this meeting and they're talking about these issues and, and Harry says, he basically spins this this idea out of thin air that's, look, brands want to feel comfortable with your ad and with their ads um, and the content that's around them. And he gives them the whole story and he, he basically just comes up with on the spot, not unlike Peggy would do with a client, you know, coming up with a great concept. And instead of a creative idea in terms of content or in, in terms of uh, an ad, Harry's job is to come up with the vehicle. And the vehicle in this case is this variety show in Broadway, Joe on Broadway, and Joe Namath and John Wayne, and you know this great show that in our minds we could completely you totally see can happening. can see it. Yep. And that's a winner, and they buy it on the spot, and whatever that was, one hundred and eighty thousand or whatever he said it was, that's a real win for someone in Harry's role. That's yep. That is walking out of a meeting with a check, and it's amazing. So he is good at his job, and it is worthy. And that's what he gets. That's what the commission's for is off that, whatever that total was.
0: Yeah. I mean, again, it, it deserving partner as a thing or not that it is, it is a great example of Harry's value. Mm-hmm. He is an
1: unsung going back to him saying hero. we need a TV department. Yeah. <laughs> right. In 1962 or whatever. Um, so, so here he is. And, and sort of it's led to this, right? We, de- we know Harry's running around behind his wife we know that he's unhappy at home we you know all the all the, the trajectory of harry crane uh, and now he's this but it is what it is it's it's sort of both things
0: let's take a break
1: we'll, oh, we're going to we're
0: going to we're going to come back from the break with an enthusiastic second act for you guys <laughs> <laughs> So the actual Heinz pitch.
1: Yeah. Yeah. After all this clandestine, surreptitious uh, creative work. Don and, we should mention Don and uh, Stan smoking a dube.
0: Again. In the, not, in the
1: in the Elvis room.
0: Not getting fired. Nobody, <laughs> Nobody else gets fired for anything, sleeping on couches or, anyway. Okay, Dan, what did you think of... The first presentation, the second presentation.
1: So I think Peggy's Heinz, the only ketchup, is a definitely a superior campaign to pass the Heinz. And one of the ways we know that is that Peggy tapped into what the client's looking for. The client said, "I want to see the bottle," and hers is the bottle across the whole thing, and theirs has no bottle, which is. Well, Intentional, obviously.
0: I think that you. I think that's how it was supposed to go. I mean, I definitely. I see the first presentation. I see, you know, Don Stanley, and and you go, "That's wow, that's creative, that's interesting." You can see though why the client would be hesitant. They're not wrong to be hesitant, but -hmm. they wouldn't be. But they would be right if they went for it. It would be a beautiful campaign, and that's uh, past the Hines, right? Past uh, the Heinz, yes. yeah,
1: mm-hmm. right. Yeah. But that, but that's a leap. You're taking a leap yes. that your customers aren't going to say, "Where's the bottle?" Which what is what's are we Don, talking about, right?
0: Which is what Don said. I mean, I thought the visuals were great. I thought the empty, the empty French fries, particularly with past the Heinz, it begging was begging for ketchup. It, right. and, it, and Don talks about it. it's your imagination.
1: But as a marketer, you might say, where's my product?
0: Yeah. And I, I loved it, but I didn't hate the client for not being sure. Yeah. And I loved it. And I wasn't, I also wasn't sure, but I loved it. It's a
1: good example. I'll t- just focusing on that pitch and that campaign. It's a good example of how the brand and the agency, the creative side need to be like it, no daylight. They have to be in it together, right? You, you, because you, you don't want to convince the brand that this is the right thing to do. And then if it doesn't work the right way, they start pointing fingers. I didn't want to do this to begin with. You sold me on this. You don't want that. You want both of them to be like, that's exactly how I want to go to market. That's right. Is with something bold and different and all that. So there can be no daylight there. And I think Peggy there was less daylight, daylight between Peggy and the brand than Don and the brand.
0: Right. So, um, so my point is, I think that's, I think that was the reaction we were supposed to have, which was to sure. see the first one and be like, "Wow, that's really good." I'm not yeah. sure, but man, yeah. it's good. And then to see the second one and be like, "Nope, that one, that's the one." Which is why the the punchline of that Jay Walter Thompson gets it, and neither of them get it, and we yeah. don't even know what the we don't even know what the creative is. Yeah,
1: they're the behemoths, yeah. right? It's a little like <laughs> it's a little like what you're describing. Is the uh, the big scene at the end of Saturday Night Fever? It's a big dance off, and it's Tony and I forget the woman, uh, the, 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 his date. I forget she has she's big. Role I can in picture the
0: film. Karen Lynn Gorney, Stephanie, Stephanie, Stephanie. Something. Karen Lynn Gorney was the actress,
1: and they do their number, and it's good. It's really good. You, it doesn't have the sizzle of what he's done earlier in the film, so you know it's not quite there, but it's good, and then. The ultimate winning combo, which is that Puerto Rican couple who that wins the contest, they just blow everyone off the floor. They don't win. The, oh wait, they gave it to Tony at the end, they right? Gave right it I'm to i wrong. Because
0: everybody's racist. They were, the and then I'm Tony gives in, it gives gives the gives trophy to, to them. them.
1: Right. The Spoiler Zany, right? for
0: anybody who uh, is planning on seeing Saturday Night Fever, 45 year and has old movie. <laughs> if you haven't gotten yeah.
1: to it yet, you know, make some time. <laughs> but the point I'm trying to make is we know that they weren't as good as the other team. Yeah. And when the other team doesn't get it, we're, we're disappointed for them. So that's a great point. But yeah, I, I see the same dynamic here. We, we're, we're left to infer a lot and they make, you have to do a good job so that the audience is, is taking the right things from it. And I think they did that at Saturday Night Fever and they do that here too. But in the meantime,
0: we, we talked about earlier that it's a surprise that, that other people are pitching it, mm-hmm. but it's also this very, it's, it's fucking Peggy. And right. everybody. And they say, and,
1: that's our room. We bought that fucking room. Right. <laughs> right.
0: You know, you already alluded to, you already talked about, uh, Stanley and his, his reaction. And that, that, that hurts. That hurts our heart because we, that's the betrayal right there. Nothing else is a betrayal. I mean, mm-hmm. it's all a betrayal, I guess, because they still, they, they got the pitch by finding out leaked information. But, but that's part of the business. But it's Stanley. And they're betraying
1: getting, beans and the whole, yeah. and they're
0: yeah. betraying beans. There's a lot of cheating everywhere. But, uh, But what I thought was the most socially uncomfortable was when uh, Ted and Peggy and, you know, those guys show up at the bar. And even there, we're snubbing them and we don't say hello to Peggy. I mean, they worked with Peggy for years and I get they're pissed at her for this, but I don't know, man, that was harsh.
1: I think in real life, they see them in that bar and they go find the next bar.
0: <laughs> maybe. I don't
1: think they actually sit down after that.
0: Yeah. It was it was it was sad.
1: Especially knowing that you didn't remember, CGC walks in knowing that neither of them got it. So I would Yeah, I think in real life Well, that,
0: maybe they thought that would soften the blow of them having pitched it at all. I don't like know. Guess God guys, know. neither of us got it.
1: I see them being in two different bars. Um but anyway. There is that. And, and Stan gives Peggy the finger and the whole bit. So, you know, everybody kind of feels like shit under a shoe. Yeah.
0: Good times. Anyway,
1: sounds S- like Mad Men.
0: Speaking of which, let's talk about the Draper's <laughs> marriage.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Don, you're a writer. You know, this is censorship. I am a writer. And I'm against the war. But when you buy a commercial, you're hoping that the consumer
0: is in a good mood when they hear your message. So if you agree on a wholesome variety show
1: and all of a sudden it's filled with satire, the most threatening humor there is, you're worried about people hating what you're selling. So we know that there's this randy couple associated with the show. And we know that Megan's getting a love scene and she's debating how to break it to Don. But she does. And I, you know, again, there's a big setup here with Don's reaction.
0: Honey, I can't. I can tolerate this, but I can't encourage it.
1: That's it. That's the line. And
0: she says, "You're perfect." So at the beginning, when he breaks it, when she breaks it to him, he's he's coming down on the right side of things. I mean, this is what he's been.
1: It's the perfect thing to say for someone who often does not does not tell the truth. Does not say the right. Well, yeah, and 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 how many times with Betty did he just say the wrong thing? A thousand times. Here is the. This is exactly what she wanted. She's. She even said, "I don't. I don't want him to be happy about it, but I don't want him to stop me from right." And his that line, I, I can't tolerate it. I can tolerate it, but I won't encourage it. Is exactly that he matches the sentiment, which leads us to believe that
0: he's not going he to be a to Motherfucker and, about it.
1: Yeah, he's not. He's not going to stand there like Joe DiMaggio, looking at Marilyn Monroe with the great scene with the skirt, <laughs> and be uh, you know screaming at the director. And yes. Which, which, which is what happened. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and yet he goes and does exactly that.
0: I would like to say about the couple
1: Ted McGinley.
0: Uh, oh, is that Ted McGinley? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Ted McGinley and is Mad the Men Ted didn't McGinley go off of... the air
1: at the end. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's a, that guy. He's the ultimate that guy. And oh, he's, he's the, the he's ultimate the final that guy. Scene. Yeah, he's the series killer that guy. Yeah. That's so funny. I didn't realize it was him. No, that's not what I was going to say, but that's a great one. Um <laughs> listen, this episode of this whole show, but certainly this episode is filled with bad marriages. <laughs> and by the way, we we found out that Joan was had a had a throwaway ma- uh, marriage when she was young. She had a 6-month marriage.
1: Oh, right, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that was I in, in a in a
0: four-line a four-six line exchange with Kate. Yeah, uh, yeah he, reminds, he reminds me of Scotty, oh, you know, right? we all make true. mistakes, but you got there first, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that was, that was interesting.
1: Well, we don't know they have a bad marriage. No, no,
0: no. That's exactly <laughs> not what I was going to say. They're yeah. the ones who've been married for 18 years and have a uh-huh. sparkling sex life. They're the sparkling. ones. Sparkling.
1: Well, <laughs> yes, whatever. Exactly. I
0: mean, we can all judge it and everybody in no, the episode no, I, seemed I, to. I, but I, think, I
1: think that's exactly what we take is you can't judge and you shouldn't because – because these are the ones that are making it work.
0: They are the ones that are making it work. Now they're a little lecherous with it, and they're they're not very good at the no. I mean, it takes seventy five nos to get to the no. And if, we know know off, if, yeah. if you don't know what's coming, if you've heard no
1: often <laughs> enough, you you should recognize it. You know, but
0: you know, or honor it is what you should. That's
1: my. Well, you're not going to turn it into a yes.
0: <laughs> I, I just wanted to call that out. That, that this is an episode dripping with terrible marriages and everybody's judging these guys but you know what again 18 years sparkling
1: yeah yeah and the ones with the good marriage are a little tough to take to be honest they're they're like kind of sparkling is an interesting word but yeah so it's, it's funny and i thought don and megan in the cab on the way home were especially funny or don's you know mocking them and says, he likes you he likes me he wants to get to know us better it's very funny and Meg,
0: and Megan's, Megan's, uh, guileless nature coming in and out and innocent and then not, and then, you know, not getting it. And well, then she didn't get, didn't it, get it at first. Oh yeah. God. And then I hope I'm not getting this. And then I'll let me, yeah, it was, it was great. She was great. right.
1: I still have to work yeah, with these people. Exactly. It was very funny. So, um, but that, uh, that attitude does not persevere, unfortunately. And again, sex is just everywhere in this episode.
0: So Don does show up on set.
1: No, she's, she's doing the scene and, and he's right there. And we don't. You know, we don't know it's the only time he's been on set. She says it later. But yeah, he's there totally imposing in that in that fucking trench coat and looks horrible and miserable and then spreads it, you know, after the scene in her in her dressing room. It's just it's deplorable. And
0: she was great in that. Again, she always has that clarity. Like how dare yeah, you I was show? Thinking about that. Show yeah. like she didn't pretend that showing up was innocent. She knew exactly what he was doing. For he sure. was there to intimidate her, to bully her, to shame her, to whatever her. And she knew it. And she was fuck you.
1: She was. She was ready. He was. Aw-
0: I mean, he was awful. This is this is Don Draper awful.
1: She had all the things to say, right? Because she, you've never been here before.
0: You don't even watch the show.
1: You don't even watch the show. You've been waiting for me to fail. All this kinds of stuff. And this was this was the polish that was missing, I think, from the entire episode was, you know, the domino that fell was Don feeling like he got cheated on with Hines. From Peggy. This this is right from Peggy and from the client. The, even though he was cheating yeah. on the client in a different right. way.
0: There's the hypocrisy.
1: Total hypocrisy. But that's the domino that fell. This this was right after the bar scene, right? And Don, I what was Don's parting words when he left? But he said something. To, to Megan? No, when he left the bar. I'm trying to think of what it was. But it was basically like, I'm proud of what we did. Like, he, was, he, he wasn't giving an inch toward, well, that's the way it goes, or, you know, this one screws that one. He wasn't sort of giving into that. But in the back of his mind, clearly, he was disgusted by it. And that's what I think brought him. That's the domino that led him to, to do what he did, at least in part, on, on the set.
0: Well, and we also forgot to mention that as he listens at the door... The last thing he hears is Peggy saying,
1: If you don't like what's being said, change the conversation.
0: His line. So, you know, that was the.
1: Right. It, it's that all. Was,
0: that's <laughs> what he took so personally. And he how did. dare he?
1: Oh, please. You're right. It's ridiculous. But that's how people are. That's just how people are.
0: But anyway, he calls Megan, he, ba- he calls her. He calls her a whore. Basically, he says, "What do do you call? You know, what do you call someone who kisses somebody for money?" Says Don fucking Draper, and then he goes, picks up the penny, right,
1: (laughs) right, picks up the penny, picks up the penny. That's right. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, and and that's where the show is usually a little more subtle than that. It's usually a little more, I don't know. The polish was not there to me
0: because I was struggling with putting this together. I go, who I go to check out. Tom and Lorenzo to go back. And one of the things I love about reading Tom and Lorenzo's recaps is mm. they are real time. They're doing some guessing, you know? Yeah. So what they said about, about this is, well, that's the end of this marriage when I'm I'm just paraphrasing, uh, what, you know, when, <laughs> when Don Draper calls his wife a prostitute, that's pretty much, that's it. And we've been, I've been saying that since the end of last season, like right. this is not going well. And this was a big head to come to. I mean, she's, Really actually having success and he's really shitting on it. As you said, it's part of the T V guide summary.
1: <laughs> Don shits on on Megan's success. There was a lot of good in this episode. There were a lot of good scenes and good sort of points to be made, you know, in the larger in the wider circles, you know, that I always talk about of the show. So I liked that, but as an ep- as a as an hour of of, of TV, uh yeah, too much to, to, to just it, 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 was a lot of noise for not enough, not enough uh, payoff. But you know, it happens.
0: You know, it, it's interesting too because one of the things that we don't we don't see as much of, or it doesn't feel the same. We said this in the earlier season, season so many times. You don't know at the beginning of any Mad Men episode where it's going to end. Oh, sure. Now, this episode took you to some very interesting places. I mean, Electric Circus is a Mm -hmm. fascinating look at the sixties and, and, and we're on a TV set and we're, you know, and we're in a, we're in a a diner probably in Harlem, right? Yeah. But none of that has that, that same sensation where you're just, you've been just drifted into another world. Yeah. And I, 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 whatever that was, Was what this didn't? This episode didn't have. Yeah. And you know, again, plenty of good stuff, plenty of good content. It's episode four in a season. We are, you know, back to planting seeds and planting dominoes. As in addition, we don't dominoes. uh, You can quote me on this. Dominoes don't get planted.
1: Um. Okay. Okay. I think you have a good point there. Gardeners. Yeah.
0: Please, Rafe, you have a family.
1: I have a family that ignores me. That treats me like I've never been there. But you, you make me feel new again.
0: I work for you. And for her. She's good to me. Stop fighting. I don't know how much longer I can take this. You know, I did want to say about Don and, and Sylvia, there's the, the thing where with the, where he's focusing on her, uh, her cross, yeah. her crucifix, and he's kind of take it off and then and he's kind of taunting her with it and and he wants her to take it off and asking her about it and you know what do you do when i leave you to get on your knees and pray for absolution mm-hmm. he's kind of making it the whole thing sound dirty and obviously sylvia is truly religious like this is a big deal and to she's
1: her. thought about it
0: yes so she doesn't take it off but then he turns it around and it just seemed like a, a reflection of Don insisting that the woman he's with not be into yeah. what she's into yeah. after leaving the set and yeah. doing what that's he a, did.
1: That's, that's a great point. That's great. And it's meaningful within the context of this affair, right? Because I think the, the key line was, you know, do you get on your knees and pray for us? She's like, no, I pray for you mm-hmm. and, and that you find, you know, so it's that part of him saying, like we, like we mentioned before, you know, I, I don't want to do this anymore. And she says, I know. And of course, they're still doing it. I I find that very poignant, how she, how there's this dual nature of this affair, that it's both the hot, sexy part of it where their attraction is is obvious, and then then this quieter part that's more intimate about talking about what they're doing. Very unique. Yeah. Let's uh, take a break on that note. And come back and do quotes.
0: What's your quote, Dan?
1: That scene in Bert's office, where
0: Harry's going. I knew going. this was going to be yours.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Harry says, "You know how important I am to this company. You were me." He says this to Bert. Bert says, "I am different than you, Mr. Crane, in every way." And that,
0: oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I was different than you, Mr. Crane, in every way. It's a fabulous fucking.
1: And I like it because oof. it it says as much about Bert as it does about Harry, right? That's the whole. That's what this show does so well with it. With a line like that, is, you know, Bert's this old sage, and he knows that that Harry, Harry's character is not as high as as what he wants. You know, what he really wants the people at the firms to be. Uh and so that's what that line says, and that's pretty cool. What's your quote?
0: So Joan gives Don this kind of double handed <laughs> promotion. Yeah. Um, with you know, promotion with no money, but she gives her the key and and Joan says, like, you may not want to thank me for this, you know. Right. Basically, and and Don says, I don't care if everybody hates me here as long as you don't. Hmm. And Joan says, "We'll see about that." But it, it's what Dawn says. It's it's okay. You know what? If you're gonna pick a mentor, mm-hmm. good mentor, and also not a bad move to suck up to your boss, sure. it, considering what just happened. But I mean, you. I mean, t- talk about guileless. I mean, Dawn is why Dawn is honest and open at every turn, including when she called Peggy out on some of you know when they were the drunk night, right? Like she doesn't she doesn't fuck around.
1: To me that it's funny that we choose these quotes because this is Dawn uh demonstrating character. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, that's right. And uh maybe you could say when she didn't need to. But yeah, I think it's a it's a great demonstration of character.
0: And in an episode where I saw Joan, like I said, you know, old school Joan, backsliding Joan, Joan being kind of too harsh in the way she used to we used to see a lot more of we've also seen her be rather not great to black women
1: <laughs> right if
0: you go back to paul's yeah paul's ex-girlfriend For sure um so you know she's coming around in yeah. some ways and there's
1: she's, and there's a practical element to uh, of it too which is look, i'm a fucking partner at this firm i should not be dealing with the day-to-day bullshit between
0: secretaries be my, yeah. and
1: desks and and punch cards and yeah, this is not from. This is not for me to worry about. I should be worrying about budgets and finances and this other shit.
0: And that and those three hours or whatever, five hour, whatever it was, is not is not which is not the kind of budget thing she should be worrying. No, about. no, no, uh, not at all,
1: not at all. It's, so
0: it's not what's going on here,
1: right? So uh, yeah, nice nice ending to the sh- to the episode.
0: Whew. And we made it. Uh, <laughs> that was to have and to hold.
1: And that's the name of the soap, right? That, that's Megan's. Oh,
0: I think so. Yes. Yeah. I think so. Okay. I think that sounds right.
1: Next is the flood. That is correct. Episode five, and we'll go from there. And that's April sixty-eight. So we'll see what happens. Um. <laughs> yeah, all
0: <laughs> you're right, guys. Be Thank you for right. listening. Thank you so much, and we will see you next time.
1: If you would like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash it pod for bonus content and extras. For cool swag, visit etsy.com slash shop slash they coined it store. Neat looking shirts, hoodies, and shotkis. Another way to support us is to leave us a glowing review on Apple Podcasts. Email us questions at theycoineditpod.com, Twitter and Instagram at TCI Mad Pod. They Coined It is produced and edited by Roberta Lipp. Our logo and merch graphics are by Albert Stern of Stickrest Arts. Our theme is from Adam Tilford. Thanks again for listening. I'm Dan Jasper. See you next time.